Hello and welcome to the 11th Hour, a weekly podcast about Rancid. I'm Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis. I'm Sam Millencon from Debacle Records. Each week we pick a Rancid song or a Rancid adjacent song and we talk about it and all our complicated feelings therein. Um, this week we kind I kind of it was my pick and I went for a kind of a deep cut. Um, and this is Things to Come, which is the B-side off of Hooligans. Okay, so things to come. It was initially the B side of Hooligans. Um, it was also on the All the Moon Stompers comp. It was released in '98. At some point, there's not a lot of information about this song out there. Well, that's the uh, thing that's confusing is I know I knew this song, and then I look up the cover of Hooligans, and I know that's not the CD single I had. So I'm super confused. Oh, that's weird. See, I never, I didn't hear this until, I heard it on all the Moonstompers. Like, I never had any of the singles. And especially, I mean, for, like, when Life Won't Wait came out, I was kind of past it. Yeah, and that, that was my, like, height of buying weird, mm. obscure, you know, like. Right. Like, oh, gotta get the Japanese import. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, the thing that kind of, like, just talking about the song, like, it's it kind of speaks to the quality like how good life won't wait is that this song got cut yeah that's a good point because i feel like it's a really good song like i mean it's not it's you know i can i can understand kind of why they cut it because i think it um sort of hits a lot of spaces that other songs do but it's just like this really like cool kind of i don't know dance holly laid back like and it's got really like the whole I, like the whole song to me is a hook because I just get the whole song stuck in my head. But it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I I I'd forgotten about this song for so long, mm-hmm. and then when we started doing this, I got the B sides and C sides mm-hmm. compilation thing that came out and was just like, holy shit, yeah, like the, like and the, this is there's and there's a lot of pretty good stuff on like the b-side c-side thing there's some oh yeah for less sure. so but this to me this is like the biggest was the biggest standout and so um yeah so i i assume it's written by tim and lars like again i couldn't find i couldn't find really anything other than yeah i mean it seems is. like a tim and lars song and actually to me i think in my head i had slotted it away as a cover oh yeah that i could see that because it kind of it feels like they're covering some older like reggae song or you know kind of rock yeah. steady song and because it kind of yeah it has a feeling of like 77 clash or something you know um which is like yeah of course it does but it's kind of interesting that like thinking of it like i could see totally why it would feel like a cover because there's and this is like a weird thing like there's just like the sound and the production of it and everything there's like to me anyway there's like this kind of like authenticity to it that it sounds mm. like um 
Like you could tell, like it's like I mean, or maybe not the production so much, but just the kind of the way the song's written. You could tell me, like, yeah, this song was written by, you know, I don't know, yeah, so and so back in it's like, yeah, it feels like it could be, a, yeah, exactly. Though I also think the the take, you know, you said it's probably by Tim and Lars. I would uh, I would venture a guess that our, our friend Vic has has a hand in this song. Yeah, he's certainly That's on true. it. Um, I'm almost certain. Um, but actually it's funny that you your authenticity i i think i follow but the one thing that jumps out to me was this must have gotten cut kind of early because it does not have the mixing or the mastering like this is it's not demo but it's like it got it's somewhere in between along the way yeah 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 (laughs) like it doesn't sound like life won't wait right like it sounds like they had a cut that they were like thinking about either re-recording or remixing or something you know sending mm-hmm. off to Bud, bob ludwig and all the people that you know they ran this it's, album through you know yeah it's nowhere near as polished no uh and and i think that to, is maybe part of why it feels like something at like because yeah because life won't wait is impeccable yeah right? it mean, sounds so good um and it's kind of, you know thinking of that because that sort of unpolished aspect of this song i think is one of the things that i like about it Mm -hmm. it, because it's kind of it kind of gives you a different um i don't know vibe of what of then life won't wait in that sense like it's obviously very of that era because musically it is yeah right i don't know anyway it's a little more jammy too like a little bit more feels like they just all picked up their instruments and were playing together a little bit yeah, like I have this image, like Tim with his arm around Lars, just like singing. Like, <laughs> yeah, it has sort of a late like... <laughs> night sort of like we're just yeah, yeah. Like, we're having a drink, and I mean, hopefully they're not at this point, right, but, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can I can hundred percent hear it. It's kind of got this like laid. It's funny because a lot of rancid reggae doesn't actually lay back. You know what I mean, right? Like, and this one actually does have that. And I, it's funny that it's things to, on the original single. It was things to come, and then in quotes, it's dance hall mix. Yeah, but like, there's no other version, <laughs> right? <laughs> I know when I when I was like researching for this, and I saw that, I was like, shit. Is there another version I don't I forgot about? That, that was my question because I was like, wait, is the one I know from somewhere else? You know, because I was kind of like, <laughs> I was all like, how did I know this song so well? And then it's uh. Yeah, it, it, that's an interesting, like, throw that in. So you you do wonder if it was, like, a contentious song. Like, they tried a couple different mixes or versions. Because I could see a version of this that's actually kind of a straight-ahead punk rocker. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you Especially, like, if tempo, you look at the lyrics. And, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Lyrically, especially. Um, yeah, I could see that, too. it's kind of an oddity that i'd love to hear like the real story of because it's it's interesting because the talking about b-sides from this album the thing i've i've almost done like three or four times which i may do soon but i'll still talk about it is i have a special spot in my heart for stop which is the like b-side for blood clot 
That's like mm-hmm. another ska song. It's also on Moon Stompers, and I'm sure it's on B sides and C sides. Yep. Um, and it's a way more up tempo kind of nutty. Like it seems to be from those silencer um, demos that are mm-hmm. like with Vic and stuff, and and it's really messy sounding. And they like threw through a little bit of mastering, and and I love how falling apart that song is, um, and how it's just like. But it kind of has the same thing of like they were playing with different forms of reggae and ska on this album, but like it obviously didn't rise to the level that they felt like, you know, they put a lot of right. random shit on Life Won't Wait. And like yeah. I kind of think they're right. Like I agree with, with the ones they cut, but they also have these like special places in my heart for like it's so interesting to see them. Like, why exactly did that song get abandoned? But like, I don't know what cash culture and violence or something makes, right. makes the record, which is a song I like just fine. But it's like, I, I God, I want to know more about that process. You know, when you're when you're crafting a record as big and complex as Life on Wait and almost <clears throat> probably a little corporate of like you have to track all this stuff and which version are we right. doing and we're tracking in all these different cities and you know like right. what is the process of just deciding? Nah, we're not going to do that. You know, like I feel like the only thing I've ever seen like a glimpse into that is like the Radiohead documentary, you know, where you're really watching them like struggle to get versions of songs down. And then they're like, fine, new, new session two years later, you know, and, and God, I've never seen that. So uh, <laughs> ask your I'm wife surprised. about it. But. <laughs> yeah. She was it's really funny. She was asking, she was talking about some Radiohead side project today. She was listening to that. She really liked us. Yeah. Like, the smile know. is fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what that it's is. It's basically but, like people who still want to do radio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's fine. Anyway, yeah, I'm, but you know, honestly, like I'm curious now about that documentary because I find I as like considering where my background is with between like being a musician and putting out albums and also like running a record label for as many years as I did and all that, I love you know, like process stuff. Yeah, I pro- find I'm a, it such a process junkie, man. Yeah, and so oh, yeah, so knowing that like I even though I'm like I like Radiohead, but I don't. I'm not, you know, whatever. Sure. I want to watch that because that sounds, especially because like you said, like, I mean, they, it's such a huge process for a band like that. And so, and I, yeah, I'm, I think the one or two times they've ever ranted has ever touched that size of a process and that budget and all that stuff. You know, it's funny because it's the same time period because they're kind of talking about like post OK computer like the tour right after OK Computer and how it was too big and they you know it's a little overwrought mm-hmm. in terms of like it's about how alienated it is to go on like global tours right. and all these people have an opinion on you all of a sudden because you're like the band all of a sudden maybe I have watched that one I mean it's yeah anyway yeah it was around for a long time but there's some really good parts to it there's some like wow it's you know you're really leaning into it um but like same time period same exact time mm-hmm. period as these guys they get budget, they get scope, they get ambitious. What does it take for a song as interesting as this one, or as like kind of fun as this one, or as interesting yeah. as Stop, to mm-hmm. not... There's obviously like there's this moment where it's like you can tell from the production that they were like, uh, we're not taking this one any further, you know? Right. Because it doesn't have the level, of, you know, it didn't go through the, the sort of finishing that the other tracks do. And it's well, like, what what causes that? You know, and I understand that it's a creative decision, but I really want to see how that creative decision is made. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I would love to know what that conversation looks like or like what, yeah, like what, 
I don't know. Yeah, what you know, they they get into it a little bit on the Domino's fall documentary, <laughs> but it seems to be Brett Gerwitz deciding. Yeah, that that was the weirdest thing. Is like, yeah, he's just sort of dictating, and they're going, okay. Well, and it's yeah. good to have like somebody you trust, you know, sure. who's like outside the band that can give you good feedback on. You know, we talked a lot about like sequencing matters, and and you know, I think that's one of the things like a label can help you do is have perspective on your own record and all that. But like. Yeah, yeah. It really felt like they didn't have a lot of like conviction about which songs to keep or go. Well, and I mean, we talked, we've talked about this before. I'm not going to go over it again and again, but I think on that record, it really, it it seems that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody sounds real invested on the performance of that record. So, Um, but yeah, so I I think that's, I think that's pretty interesting too. But like to me, the more interesting thing, and and like this, like I said, I really like the song. It's a really cool song. Um, but just the whole idea of B-sides yeah. is... So, you know, growing up, for me, the the band that I always... When I think of B-sides and, like, trying to track all that down the obscure songs, and it, it coincides with when I was, like, 14, you know, and so you're really into that kind of thing, was Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I, few bands have ever done B-sides like that. I mean, it was yeah, like... I mean, eventually they made their biggest product out of B-sides. Right, yeah, which I I don't think I still have one, but anyway, I used to have one of those boxes. It must be so and easy I'm, to get now. Like they were, oh, so, I know. They, they sold so many of those boxes. Oh, I know. Um, but it was all like back then, because you know now I don't. It's not really. I mean, it's sure you can be like, oh, it's a B side, but it's on. Every, you can find it in two seconds on either streaming service or on YouTube or on Bandcamp. Or, yeah, exactly. Um, and it kind like that sort of um like hunt maybe for them yeah. or you know yep. you know i think especially like in the early days of the internet reading like a message board or something and somebody talks about this song like um like i don't know first smashing pumpkins like there was a song like persnickety was a song mm-hmm. it was like what is this oh my god i've never heard of this song yeah what like and then you got and then you find out like oh it was on a japanese cd so you go, oh shit it's like 40 bucks well well I got- <laughs> uh, 40 bucks for one song i'll do it you know like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah all the like, time man like i can't you know another band that's like the, the sort of the last of that real obsessive b-siders are radiohead you know what i mean like they were they mm-hmm. were you know tons of things came out of the you know the sort of 97 through 2003 period of them yeah yeah, I mean, like when they released, what was it? The it was like the third, twentieth, or twentieth anniversary edition of OK Computer, or whatever, and it had like twenty extra yeah, songs. Yeah, exactly. And people were blown away because there that had of, been one of the most documented B side records ever already. And and I still remember. I think it was on there. So I had a period where I was like super into Radiohead. It was around like OK Computer Kid A, sure. and um, but I still remember like one of the sort of white whale radiohead songs was lift yep and then they released like an official version on the okay computer anniversary thing and I, even then me in 2017 or whatever it was who was pretty indifferent about it, i was like oh my god like this is so cool it's because all i ever had before that was like was random live version yeah and that's a version that's a version of a band where like you knew of the songs and they were like these live cuts and it was more like this white whale of like are they yes. ever going to get a version that they want? And it was so weird on, which I still think is their best record, which is in Rainbows. Like, 
I was into them at various points, but I think In Rainbows is actually secretly their best record. And it has what, like nude on it? And it's just like, oh, you're just going to do it? After all that, you're just going to put right. it out? <laughs> it was like very weird because they had created all this like yeah. mystery around these songs that they couldn't finish. And for a long time, it was like, I believe motion picture or whatever soundtrack was another mm-hmm. one like that early on. And nude and lift, you're exactly right. Like, And it was like... Yeah, they used B-sides in this way of like, oh, it's not good enough for the album. And then when things actually did make the album, you'd be like, whoa, what? Okay, we're just doing this. Like, right. there was like, there's something magical and extra and sort of fan-oriented, especially yeah. by them and probably Smashing Pumpkins too, of like using the B-side or the demo version or the live version as sort of this building tension element mm-hmm. that like, yeah, I don't, I can't think of a lot of bands that, you know, besides like, I don't know. Like, there's not a lot of bands besides Radiohead that really pull that off. Still, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's yeah. I, I'm trying. I don't know. Like, there's a there's a kind of. It's not really the same thing, but the Mountain Goats have like this sort of opposite thing mm-hmm. where they put out eighty versions of things. Well, that and it's so like they have these songs that are kind of like the same thing, but they've a bit officially been released. Like that we're on like some twelve inch or mm. you know ultra. But every once in a while, they'll pull them out live now, mm-hmm. and it's this and and it's really it's you know it's one of those things. Where, and, and this is kind of one of the things I want to talk about with B sides in general is it was also this sort of point of connection with other people. Mm-hmm. Like you know if you. My friend John, who I've mentioned on this podcast a hundred times, like the way that we became friends in 93 or 4, whatever it was, was because I had a printout. So this is back again. I, I don't know how much I've told this on here, but so my dad was a computer programmer when I was growing up. So we had the internet in my house really early, like 93. We had CompuServe. Yep. yep. What, um, and I remember finding like some uh, whatever their version of a message board or forum on CompuServe was, and it had like all the lyrics for Smashing Pumpkins Gish, and <laughs> and so I I printed them out and I just had them with me at school one day, and we had there was this guy who sat behind me in English class named Andrew, and he was like, oh my god. Like, where did you get that? Like, I'm a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan. Oh, my God, you should come at lunch. You should come sit with me and my friends. And you should meet my friend John, who's like a big Smash... And it was because... And then, you know, it was this weird, obscure Smash... And then we that's how we became friends, was through this obsessive love of Smashing Pumpkins, um, which is not cool at all. No, I, don't know, <laughs> I mean, it's, at the time, it, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, and I so... Silly as hell, but... So, but- yeah. Yeah. But it, and so and then it, it becomes this thing where it's like, oh my God, you've heard this obscure song too? That's really cool. Like, we yeah. must be into the same thing. And, or it's like, for me, you know, I, I've been a music obsessive for as long as I can remember about so many things, like mm-hmm. to the point of it's maybe sometimes unhealthy, but whatever. Um, so, you know, that'd be, you would meet somebody who also knew you know this obscure b-side thing you're like oh well they're probably obsessed like i am so that's this immediate point of connection we have that we can relate to each other and yeah anyway well so yeah i mean it's interesting because you're you're exactly right it was a way of like it was almost like a 
shibboleth of like saying, oh, I love the Australian version of whatever yeah. the hell that one EP was, a, a Radiohead EP, right? Like that had two more tracks on it. And it's like, but it's also like the like king of it's like train spotting uh, gatekeeping, you know what I mean? Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's and it's so and it's literally saying these songs were not worthy or did not fit, but you will like hold them to this sort of like secret code word yep. as if it's they're special and better. Because fandom because, fa- like bands with fandom aren't bad usually, but fandoms are horrible basically absolutely in general like even as a person who's into a lot of different fandoms and like it has that built into my dna and i I get very nerdy about things and obsess fandoms are toxic just any concept of fandom it past a certain point is completely toxic and b-sides are such an interesting thing because it's such a good dopamine reward of finding a new b-side and being like oh because it's that thing of like i love seeing my my favorites fail you know like i like seeing what didn't make it you know yeah and like it was just this sort of mechanism, this kind of capitalistic mechanism to sell, like, to validate selling another CD to you. You know what I mean? Like right. in the nineties. Uh, right. And like, but, and so it probably was like, well, we got to make enough stuff to have a few B sides was what a lot of artists probably went through. And the one I can really think of like, like, like all that's true. Like all that negative stuff about B sides is true. But like, I will tell you, um, <laughs> I, we haven't talked about it much, but the other, like, supremely uncool band that I could make a podcast about talking about like what's good and what's bad uh, that I have like a deep seated love for is the Chemical Brothers but like oh wow like I think they're super underrated and it's that thing of British people British artists get bigger than they should be because just you know whatever uh <laughs> Like you could be good. Like those aren't British listenership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's that thing of like Jesus and Mary Chain couldn't, you know, leave their hotel and Sonic Youth couldn't get right. you know, it's that classic story. I feel like Chemical yes. Brothers are kind of the same thing. Um anyways, I, I, I love Chemical Brothers. I especially loved going so to me it's like this very specific ritual. Uh I had a, a head shop slash music store that was like the sort of perfect nineties thing, an independent shop in Issaquah, Issaquah, Washington, called Sound Stations that I, <laughs> for most of my life, thought was Sound Stations and said Sound Stations for most of my life. Most, <laughs> A lot of like my peers and people I looked up to worked there. And they were really good about like stocking all the import singles and like B-sides mm-hmm. for all sorts of things, especially a lot of, of course, like, you know, suburban industrial, you know, is like industrial, weird hip-hop tracks, Chemical Brothers, you know, like, bunch of punk rock you know like it's all like the sort of you know there was that weird thing for like a moment there in the 90s like subversive stuff really penetrated the suburbs in a way that like you wouldn't have expected to be like everybody just be cool with and um it was you know just amazing it's this little like strip mall place next to the target you know (laughs) and like uh stuff that would never exist anymore right and um i remember the ritual of like I got a few more bucks. Do I spend it to get this one breaks cut, you know, single on CD? Because I'm not even, it's not like I'm a DJ or anything. So I'm not even buying it on vinyl. Like these are usually for something like Chemical Brothers. It's like some piece of DJ, you know, uh, weapon so that you could like mix it into your set. You know, I'm not even doing that. I'm just like going and getting the Electrobank single so I can get this one track that's like basically a drum track. 
you know, because it's like <laughs> dance music. And, you know, it's opening my eyes to a lot of like psychedelic dance. And this is why I like the things I like. But like um, that ritual of like, which one am I going to buy? You know, I'm slowly making my way through. They're basically stocking these for me. You know what I mean? And like, uh, you know, every six months I'm buying another one of them. And it's it's like uh-huh. they're $21. You know, they're, they're some stupid right. price. They're in the little thin, you know, CD, you know, jewel Got cases. That's the OB strip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the OB strip. You got to keep the OB strip. You know, like all that stuff is such a like important part of fandom to me. But also, like, I can fully. It's awful. It, too, yeah. Exactly. Know? I can fully agree that like I think now is better. But I, I agree also completely. Have so much nostalgia. I mean, this is this is the fucking podcast, right? Yeah. There's a lot of things wrong with ranted. We probably shouldn't have a ranted podcast on some level. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But there's also so much good about Rancid, and there's also, it's not about Rancid, it's about the feelings Rancid gave me. Yeah. It's about the feeling that, like, that stupid capitalistic thing where those things should have costed three bucks, but they were $21 because right. they were import from Japan and blah, 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 and all this, you know, the, the industry right. was crushing us in a way that was totally unfair and made up a lot of people get go, like, very negative and be like, I only like the things I like, because they had to restrict their identity to the money they had, yes. versus now, you don't have to, you know? We can like Rancid and we can like, I don't know, Elkhorn, you know, all these things, you know, weird, right. you know, right. and I can like Claire Rousey, uh, you, I, you know, all these right. people, right? Like, and it cost me almost nothing, you know, to like all these things. But back then, it, I was, people were shoved into a box of fandom and they got really almost probably pretty quickly toxic about it because of this. So yeah. bad, big bucket of bad. But like, there's also so much good feelings I have. Or discovering right. and like almost feeling like I have this little thing and I can show it to people and I can show them that I am a, such a big fan of this band because I have Stop and I played Stop for so many people and people were like, "Well, I've never heard this Rancid song," you know. And it's right. Like, there was something really form. It's like formative more than it is important, you know. Like it formed yeah. my brain. Like there was grooves put into my brain and like dopamine, <laughs> you know, because of that cycle good or bad it's just it is such a part of how i think of fandom in the 90s and early 2000s like big time yeah well like to to me it's the the positive aspect of that at least and this is you know personally but i think it's something that probably i'm not the only person experiences like kind of like you said like you showed somebody like oh wow this is really cool or you meet somebody and they're like i've heard of this too that's awesome or the the really awful part of it which outweighs that honestly in the grand count like, of things is the i'm gonna now ex- i'm gonna exclude you because you haven't you well, don't yeah. know this. oh yeah name 10 visa, yeah you know, like, like fuck shit. off yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. like i don't care about you know i mean I, oh god yeah, I, it's the I, worst. I, I hate that shit so much when people are like oh well i'm this like you know, i'm a true fan or i was a fan you know the the thing that was big for a while um and maybe still is. I don't know. I'm 43 and out of touch. Um, but, you know, it was like, well, I was into them before they were. Oh, yeah. That was. Fuck off. I mean, we're still okay. struggling with that on this podcast where, like, I've talked to well, a few people about coming on. And they're like, I don't know. I, I only know Let's Go. You know, and you're just like, man, you really cut yourself off from lots yeah. of good music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I know. I mean, and that, I, I, yeah, like, I can't. I, I I don't know. I can't think of anything in like off the top of my head in particular where people, you know, yeah, you miss out on so much by 
well, only their first album's good, or only their, you yeah. know, like, um, I mean, yeah, actually, perfect example in this, I've ha- I had this conversation with people in music, just people I used to work with, everybody who was just like, well, the first three Kanye records are great, but it's like, fuck off, man. 808 and Heartbreak is like a masterpiece. It seems and, so wild to me that like you're in the, like keeping that out now, but at the time it was a big deal. It was like, and that was the point where like, and you know, I'm not, I, I, I don't, I'm not gonna like defend Kanye. I don't, whatever. But like musically, that's where it got really weird and interesting. Yeah. I mean, like the next, you know, the dark twisted fan. My, yeah. That album doesn't happen without 808s no, and no. heartbreak existing and then it just kept getting the last weirder, time he was like, a human being like it was the last yeah. time he was like not a super villain and like i'll go i'll go <laughs> you know i'll go months and months without listening to that record 808 it's heart right and i'll put it on and be like oh my god every time it just ah oh, it kills anyway but that's i i that kind of stuff like you know like what you like of course i'm not going to tell you that but don't cut yourself off at the knees just for some some cred or whatever yeah yeah like it's, it's not worth it i mean that's that's a lot of what we've been talking about it's like this seems like a weird a weird thing to say at a, a rancid podcast considering all the things around rancid but like cred is stupid fuck that oh my like, god yeah but i mean you know so much of their like sort of mythos and ethos or whatever is built around yeah DIY punk cred. cred and all fuck. that stuff and it's like shit Get over yourselves, man. Like in the grand the scheme time, of things, the, enjoy the sounds coming out of the speakers. It's wiggly, well, wiggly air, you know? Like, Yeah. I mean, and, you know, to bring it all back to the song, it's like the time that you seem to let go of that the most, you made life won't wait, which yeah. is arguably like, is you, you can make an easy case that that's the best rancid record ever. And find me on the right day, and I can tell you it's probably. A, and good lord you've like achieved your goal of yeah, the podcast in three I'm months so or whatever but it's like you i could there are days where i think it's the best rancid record is not even fucking close like it's like that and it's yeah. um and again it's it's the record where they seemingly just said fuck it we're gonna like follow the like yeah we're gonna do what we want to do and we don't care that if it you know ruins our reputation or whatever you know and maybe not maybe i mean it's probably i don't know i that's assuming a lot but that's what it feels like yeah yeah it Um, does and and yeah i think a a lot of this is us sort of having therapy of like even as well adjusted (laughs) as we are that sort of like cred monster like the brain worms around what am i allowed to listen to and i think we're both people who are happily will tell you how great both chemical brothers and i was i was also like searching did you ever listen to this tiny band that that like put out a cdr you know in the west coast kind of jerk collective era not on jerk collective like like that or called mikos and the mau maus like i think they put out a hundred mm-hmm. and that, you didn't okay yeah i know that, that, I remember that first record, vaguely that, yeah. yeah yeah but like even that you knew about it like i i spent equal amount of times this week thinking about how much i enjoy Rancid Reggae, Chemical Brothers, and really wanting to track down that Mikos and the Mau Mau's like like falling apart noise, you know, CDR yeah. and all this stuff and and the stuff I'm putting out this year and like just like a really luxury. And to me, it's like it's like 
I don't know. It's it's. A, I think I'm a lot better than I've ever been about just being happy about all of it. But like, even I and you, I feel like we're like part of this podcast is reminding each other, saying it out loud, that it's like it's okay to just be into all of these things. You know, it's like intellectually Absolutely. I know it, but like this is like oh, a man. real like outward push of like hey people do not get in your own way about like enjoying the things you enjoy you know what and i like i've been very much in that headspace so so i this month so august i've kind of taken a step back with foxy digital like the writing just taking not taking a month off but not doing the obscene amount i usually Mm -hmm. do so that i can focus on my own music because i've had projects kind of gathering dust that need to get done and so i've been like i've been in this sort of zone the past week that or two weeks that is uh, like it's just all this ideas and music's coming out of me it's awesome but a lot of it so i've been doing a lot of stuff that is not like anything else i've done or it's like in other space in spaces Mm -hmm. um and so in my head i'm like oh you're this isn't you know but I'm like, luckily the other voice is like, but you're having fun. You're like finding a new way to express something. Who gives a shit? Just like, you think it sounds good. You like it. Fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. And That's I'm over it. here being like, Ooh, I want to hear that. You know, like yeah. <laughs> most people, you know, who like you are probably like you going in a new direction. Hell yeah. Let's what, what do you got? You know what I mean? Like, right. so, like you know how how much of that is in your head versus actually what people's expectations right. are you know so but I, but i think it's like those are all you know i think i think it's it's something i, I mean I, so many people I mean, you, we deal with that with everything like not mm-hmm. just music mm-hmm. and art and it's just um and yeah i i wish that there weren't all these sort of external pressures that become internalized in cause people to you know ignore things that that might otherwise bring enjoyment to their lives for and and it's so tragic because like some of this is like it actually gives people anxious responses and like chemical Mm -hmm. responses in their brain and it's like most of that's made up nobody's nobody cares nobody's like thinking about you and like being like oh you like this or you don't like this you're uncool like i'm so few people actually give a shit and you're, I, you're I, like harming your own brain, you know? Yeah, well, and I mean, and I'll admit, like, when I, the first times I ever started, I would go on some rant on Twitter about Rancid. And this was, like, back in the digitalist days, so like 2013, 14. Most of the time when I would actually do it, I was, like, half drunk. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. But then I would get, you know, like, people like Josh Mason or, like, you, like, would respond in this positive way. It's like, oh, maybe like why am i being stupid about this you should this is just something like, you that's like such a talk great about. example of like you you your inhibitions had to go away to be like yeah to like yell at the top of the thing i actually really love rancid you know and it's like right. it's like yeah so do a lot of us like like and yes rancid's complicated and problematic but like you can love rancid like it's okay yeah like like, like it's okay to be like kind of honest about the things you love and also go yeah, there's a lot of complicated things. I don't yeah. want to be like I don't identify myself as like I like Ransom. That's all I like because that's that's missing the point. But like right, but like yeah, like the shit you like, man. Like and and I'm saying that to me. You know what I mean? I'm saying that to right. so many people. You know, like moment to moment, I can be great at this, and moment to moment, I can be very sheepish. Oh, you know? Yeah. So yeah, and like like what you like and 
have the like be able to interact with it in a way that is like like be honest about it like you know i mean we talked like rancid's problematic in a lot of ways yeah and own that two thing two things can be true at the same time like they can be problematic in a lot of ways and i can fucking love them yeah it doesn't change and, that i didn't already love them you know what i mean yeah I, or that i didn't have all these experiences that i'm still gonna try to mine for this nostalgia right. and influence and all these things and i keep, keep in my head that it's like there's a lot of things i don't want to keep from rancid too yeah well that's i mean it's you know um i I think about um (laughs) my wife and her like she has she doesn't have a relationship with her dad he's a horrible person but she's when we had a kid she was like i know the parent i don't want to be yeah because and it's so it's you know with stuff like this it's like i know i could take this part that i love about it and like look for that and uh, and how to apply that in other ways and then there's this other part that is i really don't like and i can also like acknowledge that and learn from that to avoid it or and so um yeah b-sides are cool (laughs) (laughs) 90s man 90s were a trip it was a trip yeah um okay i think that's yeah good enough i guess i I think so um all right so you're up your pick what do you got i had a moment of like wait do i have a pick i totally have a pick it's been in my pocket for a while so uh you can kind of predict this but um this week uh i have a very different perspective off of a track off the uh first record so we are going to talk about Get Out of My Way, ah. a song that I recently discovered is a wonderful cover. So, um, you know, right. maybe our first, I think it's our first final track, which Rancid seems to have a lot of, put a lot of effort into making sure God, the final is it? track. Yeah, I, I so, guess right? it is. You know, like, it's it's the, funny, because I think about, I, I it's, it's like a thought I've had in my head so many times about their, they just, they close albums so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, yeah, there's a lot to unpack about this. So, like, go listen to the original, go listen. I'm we're gonna yeah. talk about the uptones as much as anything else, but yeah, like, I awesome, I am realizing my vision of the story I've been sold of the East Space scene, of course, is super limited and super like after the fact, and I <laughs> super cursory, right? You know, like, I think you have a slightly better vision of it, that was more your thing, but like, uh, this is a thing that I overlooked how um some really good stuff so yeah this will be awesome all right all right everybody as ever you can find us on twitter and on instagram at rancid pod say hello give us some feedback send us some questions all that um and we will see you next week I thought I was gonna do. I well, I remembered it after I was in between. I was like, oh, yeah. As, as soon as I said, see, uh, ne- as soon as I said next, I was like, fuck. Okay. I love that this is like a, an actual like <laughs> thing thing that we can't get over. You know, I'm right there with know. you. I'm 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 feeling it too. So. <laughs> <laughs>